0: Our Podcast. This is Andy. Dylan is doing better things today. He couldn't make it to the podcast, so I'm doing the intro, but um, welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Danielle and a very special guest, which is our first ever in-studio guest. Would you call this a studio? This is a very plush studio. I'm very honored we to be here.
1: We could call this a studio. Yes.
0: And that's Matt Evans from Bourbon & Banter. Um, he's on social media, the Brown Water guy. At Brown Water guy, which is also the Twitter handle of my plumber. <laughs> ah. oh, God. I need to sue copyright infringement. I love it, right. love it. I think also, sour mash
1: also Sour Match Tour guy.
0: Also Sour Match Tour guy. Teacher Matt Evans, teacher, teacher just children, all around teacher, just,
1: people about bourbon.
0: Just bourbon dude. Bourbon, dude. jack of all trades, That's master of none. That's right. Go. It's very uh, happy to be here.
2: Enjoy listening to you guys' podcast. So to be able to. Experience it firsthand and the
0: amazing Sour Mash Studios is quite an honor. <laughs> yeah, and you're our first ever in-studio guest. We had Forrest call in from Portland, but this is a whole new animal for us. So. I'm excited. Let's yeah. do this thing. Um, so tell us a little bit about the bourbon that you brought.
2: Well, what I brought was is the uh, Wyoming Whiskey Store Pick uh, out of Be- Big Red Liquors from Indiana. This is uh, a whiskey from Kirby, Wyoming. Population, I believe it's like 86. Um they uh started several years ago with um dave defazio uh was an attorney down in jackson hole wyoming and he hooked up with the mead family and they started this distillery and what's cool about wyoming whiskey is that it is everything they do comes from within about 100 miles of kirby wyoming all their grains all the materials come from within there so it's uh usually about a five-year-old weeded bourbon uh, and this one is a private stock uh, bourbon whiskey from Big Red Liquors.
0: Very nice. So, a lot of times on our tours, we try to have a stop dedicated to weeded bourbons, and it's starting to get harder and harder to fill that without doing, say, too much Heaven Hill stock. You're getting repetitive, yeah. You're getting mm-hmm. repetitive. So this could be a, a nice one to to swap out.
2: Their uh, their their standard store their standard uh, weeded is available all over Kentucky. Um, it's obviously a very hard market to break into if you're an out of state bourbon, so I think they kind of shied away from uh, their store picks or their, uh, their off-shoot expressions. Um, they do have a sherry cast finish, which is also one that I really like, but um, you can pick this up at any one of your liquor stores for about 30 bucks.
0: Interesting. Danielle, what do you think about this? I like it. I do too.
1: I just took the first sip of it.
0: Yeah, this is the first time I've ever tried so... this. Um, so Matt, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is in your articles that you write, especially your reviews at uh, the, the Bourbon and Banter, You're very good at picking out tasting notes. Yes. I'm, I'm mediocre so bad. at best. I'll, um, I'll try to pick out maybe one word. Danielle usually just like says that low, everything is. I'm the low
1: end of the ta- I'm, I'm I'm still trying to hone that skill. I feel like it's a tough skill to master. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the tasting notes I pick out are like. The Maple, vanilla, like the. I feel like they're beginner tasting notes, but I, all the sweet notes. And I'm
0: generally getting. like old room. Yeah, I'm like, this tastes
1: old or this tastes, you know, whatever. So,
0: retirement home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I seriously, I'll be like, this just tastes old. This tastes good.
2: Yeah, well, as Alan Iverson says, we're talking about practice, right? You gotta, you gotta <laughs> practice, you know? I'm, I'm working. Not a on game. It. Sometimes I, I practice too much, but, um, <laughs> you know. One of the things I also, I'm also a member of the, the uh, Stave and Thief Society, you know, as an ex- executive bourbon steward, and one of the things you do in their training is they give you a sensory kit. And uh, a lot of times, you know, when I'm getting ready to do kind of tasting or a, a, a review, I'll kind of hit the, the sensory kit for a little bit just to kind of freshen up. Um, I certainly don't have the most sophisticated palate. I'm, you know, I'm not as wide, uh, my variety's not as wide as, as some of the the. the authors that are out there mm-hmm. and, and the experts, so to speak. But, um, you know, sometimes you, you just try to associate with either an experience or some sort of um, noun rather than an adjective, mm-hmm. you know, chocolate-covered cherries mm-hmm. or old leather versus, uh, you know, a springtime with dew on the grass. <laughs> <Right. and> freshly <laughs> mowed and right. kind
0: of get too hyperbole
2: hyperbo- yeah.
0: like that. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go is to, like, if you taste chocolate and you taste cherry, don't say, I taste chocolate and cherry – Combine them, chocolate covered cherry. And
2: I think that it's it's one of those ones that you it, it hits and you you flash back to a, an experience or a memory or mm-hmm. something and and you just try to
0: hone in on that. Um, I like that. So I hope you're prepared for my next question, which is, what are you tasting in this Wyoming whiskey? <laughs> so with the Wyoming whiskey on
2: the nose, it's a weeded bourbon, so I'm getting it's much softer, but I do get. Um, I'm getting some soft soft leather with this. I do get and maybe I brought the cherry up as an example because I was had a little bit of sip before we started the uh recording. But I I think it's just a very kind of floral nose to
0: it. I would agree with that. I I get the cherry as well. I
2: think uh you know, a good thing to do when you're when you're uh getting your first taste is to make sure that you <coughs> inhale it a bit through the nose, you know, because uh we only have five senses on our tongue and a lot of the the other comes from our olfactory senses through Mm -hmm. the nose and so that really helps to kind of pick out some more flavors if you kind of inhale through your nose just a little bit as you're sipping in Mm.
1: that's why i like that bourbon adventure flavor wheel um we were looking through a bunch of them whenever we made those tasting booklets and we found that one and emailed them and I reference that all the time. Yeah. I think it's helpful. And a lot of times on the tours, Andy will say, I don't want to tell you what I taste or what I smell. Yeah. So I don't want to give you the frame of reference. But for a beginner, I feel like it's helpful. Like for you to say those things, I'm like, okay, I can sort of like put that together. And the, the power suggestion is huge. Oh, yeah. Tasting, I mean, you, know? you say those things like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There like, are
2: three of us sitting here right yeah. now. We're going to get three different uh, notes outside of the basics. You could have yeah. a room of 15, 20 people. And if you didn't say anything, you know yeah. you would get the same. And I think the, part of the problem is a lot of times when people are in settings, they get too afraid <laughs> to say what they're thinking mm-hmm. yeah. because they might quote-unquote be, be wrong, but there is no wrong. Right. Yeah. I always
0: tell people, if you want to sound smart, just pick a word on the flavor. Literally, video, just throw and just something Just it, out, it, on yeah. it yeah. And I'll mm-hmm. say, yes, I agree. Right. Yeah. Because right. I'm just going to be nice to everybody because they're paying me money. Ones. People get kind to of creative with it,
1: which is cool.
0: Yeah. We had a dude. We used to taste this. Um, I, I ended up just really not liking it that much, but... It was a um, 1776 sherry-finished mm-hmm. rye, and at first I was intrigued by it because it's wholly unique, and we had one dude on the tour, and he, I think he was hitting like a vape pen or something between spots, so his Love tasting yeah. might have been I a little enhanced, mm-hmm. and he, he said this tastes like suede, not leather, but suede. Suede. And after that, that's all I could taste when I drank that. And we had several other groups that were like, wanted to spit this stuff out and they didn't like it. No offense to if anybody's, if if one of our several dozen listeners work at 1776, just not for me, it's a very unique product. But we actually ended up swapping that out at that tour because I ended up, uh, I couldn't get that suede out. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like licking a sofa, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, one of the persons that I've been able to uh, kind of learn from and, and, what took me under the wing early was Mike Veach Mm. and he uh, he's a big pipe and cigar smoker and I know that just in kind of casual tastings with him and conversations he tends to pick up lots of tobacco and I think part of that what you taste and what you sense comes from your environment your 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 practices and stuff yeah so I did get a a little bit of cocoa towards the very end on the the mouth almost like uh, I felt like I was getting ready to bake something you know yeah that's another
0: i think probably characteristic that you get in a lot of weeded bourbons and when i taste like a a good weller antique i get baking spices cherries Mm -hmm. chocolate Mm -hmm. um so i think that's the characteristic of the style of whiskey so you mentioned mike veach and that reminds me kind of how long you've been in this bourbon game can you tell us a little bit about how you got started drinking bourbon and your connections in the industry and things like that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, <clears throat> my wife
2: is a Louisvilleian. I am I'm originally from the West Coast, and uh, we've been together for about 18 years now. And um, her family was um, owned Glenmore Distillery, which pre-Prohibition, during Prohibition, slightly after Prohibition was James B. Thompson and Brother. And then uh, they became Glenmore, um, Sounds Mid, like a Scotch. Mid century. Well, because their heritage is Scottish. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so they sold in the early 90s to United Distiller, kind of during the, the bourbon lull and everything. But uh, this all goes to say, when my first trip to Kentucky, um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of bourbon experience and went to her grandfather's house for an evening meal and he offered to make me a drink. And. I said, I'll take some bourbon. How would you like it? I said, with a little bit of Coke. And he said, we don't mess with bourbon like that. Mm -hmm. So that's my first entrance into bourbon. Uh, And kind of since then, it's just been this, this is a pretty good drink. Um, You know, started off, like most people, I started off with kind of maker's mark as a kind of a softer weeded, weeded bourbon. And then kind of as my palate grew and got used to the, to the uh, proof of things, kind of changed from there. But, um, you know, I, I really enjoy the history of bourbon. I enjoy the process, the, how the distillates are are, are made and the 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 whole kind of grain to barrel aspect of it Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the the classes that I teach up in upstate New York over the summer that's one of the things I harp on there are some tasting aspects of those classes but we talk about the importance of the barrel and the importance of where it's stored in the warehouse and where the warehouse is located and um, you know it's it's to me it's not about drinking it it's about appreciating how it came to be in your glass and then Going on from there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's answer your question. It's probably in
0: about uh, fifteen years now that I've been kind of a bourbon enthusiast. Yeah. So that that James Thompson that came back up recently because they released the uh, the forty year old. They did. They
2: did release the forty five year old. Forty five.
0: sorry. Oh, was that was
1: was that the release? That was at the. Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which is it's a uh, it's a great cause. you know, all proceeds went to veterans' groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a gorgeous looking package, it's a gorgeous looking bottle. Uh, it's 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 hard to it's hard to uh, make a forty five year old bourbon. Well, taste. it's, it's
0: going to lose the balance. It's
2: it, it's it's very it, it's you're chewing years. on a oak, stave.
0: you know, I'm not going to lie. As good as this Wyoming whiskey is, and I'm glad you brought it. In the back of my mind I was kind of hoping you were gonna bring us a little sample well of that. that's next time that's <laughs> yeah. ne- that's, that's when we Don't move the, uh, yourself, the yeah. sour mash tours to the our eastern prospect location yeah there absolutely I'm, yeah. But I'm extremely we'll take curious about there. it right. I mean it's it's history right I mean it's the oldest bourbon that probably ever will be produced is there any other 40 year old stock or 45 year old stock sitting around somewhere
2: not that I'm aware of and they're getting ready to release a 44 and then I believe a 43 after that okay
0: yeah
2: yeah um, it's got a great nose to it yeah it's got a great nose to it um it's just very very
0: tannic and yeah you know it, 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 like you said great cause the packaging is absolutely beautiful and i thought that it was awesome how they packaged the the main 750 with the the tasting sample little, so little sidecar is what they called it you could have your cake and oh, eat that's it true. too right yeah right yeah and um, buddy thompson
2: who is is the one that came up with the packaging and, the, and, the, and had the barrels, suggests um, putting a little sherry with it to okay. try to kind of smooth it out. So oh. if you did get one of those bottles uh, and you do want to drink it, you know, that might be something that you look to do. So how many, how many of those came out? I believe it was
0: less than 1,000 or less than 1,500. Of those 1,500, just obviously we're standing wild guesses here. How many of those do you think are open? Right now? Ooh. Um, I would say maybe less
2: than a dozen. Yeah, you know? I mean. I think a lot of people obviously bought them as investments. Yeah, for, sure, to, for sure. To turn
0: around and. Yeah. Um, so I think it know. was a, a Thursday that that came out at the Fraser, and I was sitting in my office kind of regretting not going down there honestly because at about 10.32, as soon as the release happened, yeah. I looked on the secondary market and there was one up for auction and it was going. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I think it, I think the retail was eighteen hundred, and I think that I saw it get up to about three. If
0: I might be, even... I think that very first one might have gone for five. Was it five? That's,
1: that
0: is nuts. It, it's it's crazy. And then wow. it quickly, yeah, went yeah. down. Yeah. That, which which is true for any kind of limited sure. release. If you have it's... if you have
2: the means, it's going to be a centerpiece on your on your on your bar as yeah. far as the looks go yeah. and everything. It's a uh, fantastic yeah. packaging
0: for sure. So
2: how did you get hooked up with uh, Mike Beach? Um. My wife's dad, um, his last name and wife's main name is Farnsley. Okay. Uh, so those are the Farnsley Kaufman House and the Farnsley Mormon mm-hmm. House, some historical homes in, mm-hmm. the, um, in the in the West End and Southwest End of Louisville. And we did some fundraising. We do fundraising for the Farnsley Kaufman House, which is he- held at Riverside Farnsley Mormon. Mm-hmm. And Mike Veach, when he was working with the Filson Society, Philson Historical Society, very generously donated some tastings and so our first year back and we've been in Louisville now about 12 years um, I attended at one of his tastings and uh, you know we got to talking and it just kind of snowballed from there nice. um, you know I meet up with Mike and Maggie Kimbrell a little bit and do some cigar and bourbon pairings and you know it's just it's just a very close community I think yeah
0: know? last time I went to um What's the bourbon event that they have down at the Kentucky Center in February? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah. Bourbon Festival? No. That's the one in That's in September. It's very
1: similar to that. It's, yeah.
0: Either way, I saw uh, Mike Veach. I, I sat down on a panel and listened to him and um, one of the guys from Castle and Key and a couple of others, Fred Minnick was on the panel as well, talking about vintage bourbon. And I did not recognize Veach at first because I was used to seeing him in like uh, short sleeve, kind of Dwight Schrute button down. And he was—he was like somebody gave him a makeover. He yeah. was dressed like a like a villain or something from an old West movie. He had a cowboy hat on. He's got the uh, the facial hair and the handlebars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got a a lovely
2: um, partner right now, Rosemary Miller. Or. Uh, very much significant other, and I think that she she uh, said, "Mike, we're gonna work it. on your it's, wardrobe a little it's bit." Like, says, look, you were
0: you were <laughs> one of the the main dudes, right? in, like The hottest trend in the country right now. You need to look, look the part. Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
2: he's 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 a very humble guy, a great guy. Um, uh, he's ne- he's one that never got too big, despite yeah. how you know his how many books he's put out or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, no, he's I I always
0: enjoy meeting up with Mike. Yeah, he's a, he, he seems like a really good dude. he um, I went to something at the Filson Historical, this is probably five years ago, it was a, a blind tasting. And he had no idea what any of the products were going in, You just had to take wild guesses. And I think that the winner got like a bottle of Pappy 20 or something like that. I didn't come anywhere close to winning, but he, he led that whole show, yeah. it, was, it was a cool That's experience. Cool. Yeah so is is that what inspired you your relationship with mike to go to the Staven thief society and kind of get certified and... yeah
2: and so um again I, i'm pretty fortunate uh with family connections that my wife's aunt is kathy carey who owns Lou's restaurant oh, in the yeah. highlands mm-hmm. which is a you know she it's pioneered excellent. the farm to table approach mm-hmm. uh james beard multiple james beard nominee chef and uh you know so as part of their uh, Moved to be on the Urban Bourbon Trail, they had several slots open for uh, employees to go and be uh, certified as executive bourbon stewards. And um, Kathy was very generous enough to allow me one of those spots. Um, so I went down, and this has probably been about four years now or so, and um, went down, and so you spend the day down at uh, Moonshine University downtown, and. Mm-hmm. You just go through the whole gamut, and uh, it was a real great experience. And so, you know, I use a lot of what I learned down there um, on on my tastings, as well as the the materials that they gave me. And you know, it's just it's just it's a really cool experience. I think that um, it'd be nice if they were able. You know, I go I guess they go up to Chicago now, kind of spread the gospel that oh, that's way. Okay. But, um, so that's how I got a hold of the the Stave and Thief
0: Society. So recently, Dylan and I did the certified bourbon steward but really considering taking that next step because I do think having that, that sensory kit would help me in my tasting notes and things like that. It would, it would to, help
1: me for sure when you said that. I have um, I have Andy's book so yeah. I'm like studying but <laughs> yeah. um, I need to like actually do it but I would like to get the sensory yeah, kit Yeah, it,
2: it's, it's, it's very helpful because yeah. so many times I think there are a lot of people out there like I have it it's on tip of my tongue I can't quite place it I know I'm tasting something you know and I think they'll just Having that in your in your uh, mental repertoire mm-hmm. uh, is a great way to kind of help place what it is that, that you're tasting.
1: I find myself doing it too with like wine or coffee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to like become better at tasting notes and and like smells in general. So like, I had coffee the other morning and I knew it was at work. So we usually have like sunergoss or, or something, uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, I don't know what kind this is. Kind of t- I kind of like had a hint of fruit. And I'm like going to the bag to make sure right. it was. And like I'm trying it with everything now just to see if I can like pick it out. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just tough. I mean, it's tough for me to do. It's it's hard. It is for it's sure. A, it's a skill. For yeah. Sure. And,
2: and again, I mean, there's people with <clears throat> naturally sophisticated palates that can mm-hmm. pick out eight different notes yeah. on a single sip uh, and how it progresses. And, you know, that's certainly not me. Um, and I think almost that could be a curse because you might not like. A lot of stuff's out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, most people are like, they like it or they don't. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they like it neat, they don't. They like it, they don't like it neat, but with a little bit of water, mm-hmm. it opens it up. And Yeah. You know, I, I,
0: you just you drink what you like. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I didn't even realize until recently is, I was reading an article that somebody at work sent me about um, Jefferson. So I guess Trey Zeller, his next project, kind of akin to the ocean, might be something with a uh, a riverboat. So send it down the, the Kentucky... Yeah. St- down the Ohio River, up around in New York, and through New Orleans, and, mm-hmm. right. Which so, is supposed to kind of trace the, the original, original path, right? Right. So what they did is they took a barrel, the same stuff, they're identical at the beginning, and left one in Louisville, ran one through that, and then tasted the other one next to the control up in New York. And it's one thing for these dudes to sit there and say, "Oh man, it tastes so much different." Oh, I can taste this. But they did. They put it put it in like a micrometer and measured the chemical makeup of the product, and there's like stark differences. And until I read that article, I actually didn't realize that there were specific chemicals associated with specific tastes that come out of the wood that impart various flavors onto the bourbon. So, you know, I guess it's kind of the the man of science versus the artist, whether or not, you know, is taste really subjective or am I tasting this chemical that imparts vanilla into my product?
2: Yeah, and that's the, the beauty of the barrel. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, seventy percent of the the flavor comes from the barrel itself, hundred percent of the color, but I think that just you you know, I'd like to see them do it again with a barrel from wood from a different region, yeah. right? You know, and just see how that changes things. And,
0: yeah, and who knows if those barrels were even from the same region? Right, they, they, that could have been a there's variable a lot that of they not even considered. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it's um, it's it's there's a there's definitely a science behind it all, but as far as personal experience you know i think that's more, more of an art you know kind
0: of oh i i i would definitely lean toward that side of things
2: yeah now it's uh, i've I had a couple opportunities uh to go to kelvin cooperage uh to see how the barrels are made and um you know the kevin mclaughlin is one of the first to tell you that there is definitely a science behind it they're toasting of the of the of the stays before they char it opens up the, the vanillins mm-hmm. and, and allows for that sugar to be released and then they char it and that you know helps to, to speed up no, not necessarily speed up the process but help develop the flavorings and so when you have new companies like Rabbit Hole who are using Kelvin Cooper's barrels and they're putting out two and a half stuff two and a half year old bourbon mm-hmm. it's tasting a little older because it has a little bit of a head start with the, the, the vanillins that've been activated by the by the um, tra- uh, toasting versus toasting. the charring, right, yeah. Okay. Know? And then they also use uh, not to get off on a Kelvin Cooper train yeah. here, but you know, please do. Uh, they use and for their fires. They use um, oak remnants from their wood, so okay. they don't use gas. Oh, so, so they're,
0: they're burning basically. Th- other they're burning wood
2: to create their 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 fires, in which they then toast and char. You know and. Uh, the analogy that I use is if you're cooking a steak, you know, you want it over a gas grill or do you want it over charcoal grill? You know, gas grills will be quicker, mm-hmm. be less expensive in the long run. Charcoal is going to take longer, but which one's going to have the more flavors to it? Mm-hmm. You know, charcoal. So, so I, think, I think, you know, that Kelvin's a small operation down there, but I think they're doing it right.
0: So to, to kind of put a bow on the Matt Evans story, so you're, you're certified, you're executive bourbon steward. And you use that twice or two weeks out of every year up in New York.
2: Up in upstate New York, Chautauqua Institution.
0: Yeah, it's a great place to go because
2: people come from all over the country uh, to hang out in this kind of idyllic, bucolic area uh, in western New York State. And, um, you know, I I guess as the resident Kentuckian up there, people will take my classes and, and I use my bourbon and banner flavor wheel and I use... Uh, different flights uh, you know you, I like to do a five-flight tasting starting off with a weeded softer bourbon then I'll go to kind of a small batch and then a single barrel and then a bur- bottled and bond and then I'll finish up with a barrel finish and kind of give them the whole bourbon experience yeah, through like that. that and then uh, lately what I've been doing is pairing with a lot of foods okay cheeses and chocolates and fruits and stuff like that again just the whole sensory experience I think how do you select? Uh, how do you how do you do that pairing? Um, you know, I try to change it up a little bit, but I think with the the higher proof, um, I kind of try to use something that's going to kind of coat the tongue a little more, like a, a aged Parmesan cheese or something like that. Okay. Um, with something that's a little bit lower and softer, I'll use more of a fruit to kind of change things up a little bit. That's cool. Uh, I want to do that. And, it, and it's it's really cool because uh, one thing I learned from Steve Coombs, who's a local guy, he's a great mm-hmm. guy. Um, and I don't know where he got this from, but a milk chocolate, blue cheese combination. And you wouldn't think that that's going to be something that is going right. you know, to, have a, a savory uh, sense to it. But man, I'll tell you, that's good. I can see that. It's really good. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like blue cheese. I only gonna like it myself. I'm like, try it. Just try it. And then they try it and they sip their bourbon and they're just like mind blown. Yeah,
1: I would like to do that for sure. I think that like. Pairings in general whether it's wine pairing or food with bourbon or whatever. I mean it just changes it so much I think that's a cool idea.
2: Yeah, I'm a big three sipper your initial sip neat Sip after uh, a little bit of a food pairing Mm -hmm. and then a a water a little drop or two of water and to me that takes a Half ounce pour and three completely different Yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: bang for your buck, right? One of the things that we did uh, last year is, we, we worked with um, Butchertown Grocery and set up a, a bourbon pairing menu. And that was just a cool experience, tasting the food and trying to figure out which bourbon goes with it. And at first I was thinking like, let's find something similar. So one of their best dishes is this um, gnocchi. And it's got uh, it's got mushrooms in there. It's just this really kind of savory, earthy dish. And I was like, what's an earthy bourbon or rye that we could pair this with? So my first instinct was Rittenhouse rye hmm. and we tried the earthy rye next to the earthy food and it just mutes everything out. You can't even taste anything in, in the the whiskey. So we ended up kind of going for contrast. Yep. So something that was earthy like that, we went something that's a little sweeter and that way it complements each other rather than just drowns each other. out. Yeah. You want a
2: cornucopia. Right. Want, right. Yeah. You don't want it so homogenous that it's like you're not getting anything different, right. you know? Um, no that's what's really cool another really cool thing to do is uh, country ham because it's so salty that you know it kind of gets on your tongue and everything and then that second sip really is uh, oh I mean it's, it's you can play with it you know and I'm I am I am not a, a chemist by any stretch of the imagination so sometimes it's just trial and error right you know but that's the fun of it
0: right right absolutely so speaking of country ham I sometimes I'll be looking kind of go down a rabbit hole on Instagram and just find something that makes me insanely jealous and So, um, the name's escaping me, but Husk, Sean Brock, um, recently aged some country hams for, like, a year in a Willett warehouse, Mm. and now I think he's serving it it at his restaurants, and I really want to try that to see, like, if the angel share really does get into the ham and impart any sort of a flavor on there. I'm sure it does, or else he wouldn't do it. So yeah, try that with some of the new Willett distillate, yeah. which, we'll, which could be pretty good. We'll be good. back
1: in my hometown, Lebanon, in a couple of weeks for Country Ham Days. So maybe we should bring some bourbon pours and-
0: uh, Really spice up that Country spice Ham breakfast at right? yes. your parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Not just for breakfast tomorrow, right?
1: Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I'd like to see the look on your mom's face if we broke out a bottle of bourbon at we'd 8.30 to, like, before church. We'd have to like, take it
1: behind the garage and be like, <laughs> like sick of bourbon and like trying Country Ham with it. I'm like, what are you guys doing, nothing?
0: That's awesome. It's like in the
1: morning. Yeah, for
0: sure. Have you guys got a chance to sip this other bourbon that we're talking
1: No, to? I haven't.
0: So we also, in addition to the Wyoming whiskey, we've got some of the the new new Riff. The uh, the brand new bottled and bond from the New Riff Distillery in Bellevue, Kentucky, Newport, Kentucky, close to Bellevue. Uh, this is courtesy of my mother, Lisa Donnelly, who got this at the uh, the opening Thank a few you, Lisa. weeks ago. Um this is literally my first sip of this so I'm not going to have a fully formed opinion, but... It's good. I mean, what the trend that I'm liking right now is these new craft distilleries putting out their bottled and bond. They put out their first um, distillate and make a big show of it, and rightfully so. It's been a, a long time coming, and to start a production and not be able to really put anything out for four years that you make it has to be a... For somebody that's got a, lot of, a lack of patience like me, I would not be able to stand that weight. Um, but New Rift, this is a 30% rye, so a high rye mash fill. And um, I think this there's good things to come from this distillery.
2: Yeah,
0: 65, 30, and five. <laughs> Low barley
2: content. So I got... <clears throat> got some black liquor. <clears throat> kind of what jumped out at me
0: yeah i get that on the nose See, you know? that,
1: that's like helpful to me to hear that because like i i taste something that i that i think is like that something you know what i mean like, it's not something you eat every day no right? so, no it's um, it's not a taste that's not a note that i could pull out like that's not something i would even think of you know but it, i get that
0: I get the classic kind of vanilla, caramel. I'm not getting a ton of rye spice for it being 30% rye. It is a high rye with a 100 proof. You would kind of. And especially in contrast with this uh, soft wheated bourbon that mm-hmm. we just tasted. I'm, yeah. I'm not getting a ton of that. Uh, definitely young. I mean, it, I think that this will do better with some time in the barrel, but I'm a fan. Are I... they
1: aging more of this?
0: Oh, yeah. They put out, they've got a, a single barrel that's also coming N-C-F. out. Yeah. Yeah, not chill filtered. <laughs> I also like the idea that a lot of the new distilleries are putting their full mash bill right on the label. I they're like that. talking about their entry proof. They're, they're really getting down to and the And that's leaves. what I think is what is attractive to people these
2: days is the, the full transparency. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that in this market where it's so saturated, both with the old guard and new people, that new, new distilleries, craft distilleries, people will just want to know exactly what it is. They don't want the guessing right. game. You know
0: and that's how you're going to appeal to enthusiasts for right. sure. I mean, if you just want to have a fancy label and catch somebody's eye and get them to buy the, your bottle once, that's right. one thing. But for New Riff, I think, is doing it quote unquote right. Um, they've been putting out great source products for yeah. a long time with the OKI, and this is their foray into their actual distillery, yeah. which is. Very exciting to see. I'd like
1: to actually go in the distillery because I'm always so close when we go into Party Source. Yeah. Like on the way, have you been to Party Source on the way to Northern Kentucky? I have not. Okay, this is like my favorite store. And people, people are always like, oh, you're favorite. No, it's legitimately my favorite. It's a huge liquor store. Anything you can think of, they've got. They've got like wine tastings, bourbon tastings, beer. But New Riff is on the other side of the parking lot. Right. And I, we always see it. We'll go into Party Source, but I've never been in.
0: Yeah, there's a, like a, full, to check it out. a full beer bar in yeah. the liquor store. Yeah. Um,
1: it's amazing. It's great. If you're ever going up that way. But I would like to actually go like do a tour of the distillery. Do they do tours?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I assume they did. Yeah, this is uh you know it's <coughs> Going back and forth between these two, I mean just the the vast difference. Oops, <laughs> I'm out of the wild whiskey. Yeah, worry. please report it. Okay. That's what we like to talk about on our tours, and you know your tasting lineup of five kind of follows a similar arc, I think, to what we do with sour mash. But we like to compare and contrast different styles. So we typically start off with corn-heavy traditional mash bills, then just by virtue of uh, the place that we typically stop second, um, focus on rye. See what the flavor happen, what happens to the flavor when you ramp up the rye content. And then focus on weeded bourbons at the end, because typically we've got a Weller Antique or kind of a treat for, for, the, for the group at the last stop. So uh, tasting these next to each other, we're about the same age. You said that's a five-year? It's about, yeah, uh, minimum five-year. Five-year and a four-year. Um, similar proof, ninety two, to 100, so a little bit of a step up there. But the big difference is the, the weeded versus the high rye, and so, certainly a contrast. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Very rude of, Please uh, come me.
2: As a, as a guest in your I was, studio. He's I just was, rambling. am sure. absolutely so I'm rambling over right. here. So, so when I'm I do right. a side-by-side nosing, I do the new riff first. So I get the, 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 the rye bourbon first. And then I go to... we. I feel like I'm walking into Plains Bakery.
1: Mm, yeah. Like, it's like to
2: Plains me, because I was just there the other day picking up some cookies for my students. That's what, I, that's what I do. It's like sugar cookies. Right. Yeah. You get that kind of baking. like I feel like... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's not better or worse than the other. I think just that's just that, that's kind of cool, noticing the difference, you know. For sure. But yeah, I, you know, I think most people will say you if you're doing a tasting, you start with kind of lower proof and work your way up. But you know, with the sour mash tours, we like to spread them out because we are walking around town, and I don't yeah. think you want to have anyone too too far gone, right? Uh, as you're. As you're down the sidewalks and stuff. Um, yeah,
1: we've we've only had, well, I won't say we've only had one person who we thought maybe was like a little, like too much. Because we'll send out a survey, one to five, you know, how, how'd you feel? Most people fall into the threes, but one of our friends came on the tour, one of our very first tours, and by the end of the tour... It was our very first. It was. It was yeah. the very first. And we're like, man, he, he, got really, he got really drunk. Turns out his wife was pregnant and nobody knew so they were switching out back. so that's what happens when you have well, double
0: also when we went to Taj they were panicked they didn't realize that we were going to be there yet and instead of giving everybody a half ounce pours they were like they were just, she going just like eyeballed it and, and, it and everybody ends lot. up with like three ounce and a half yeah. And I think Colin drank the whole thing. The
1: whole, yeah. Um, He's a trooper. Plus
0: Kate's. And
1: then he had to go to family dinner. He had to go to to dinner. I mean, it's the
2: sacrifices we make when our wives are pregnant.
1: Right. And she, yeah. And looking back, I'm like, okay, that's what happens when you drink twice the amount, which is good to know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and then also, I think, you know, you mentioned kind of typically you want to start at the low proof and go higher. Is there really that much of a a difference if you're tasting like 100 versus a 95 i mean we're not starting off with like a 135 Booker's or something like that no i I agree i think
2: if you're kind of within five or eight Mm -hmm. you know and maybe because i've been at it so long eight's not a big big change but Mm -hmm. um and i also like to start i I like to start with a wheat i know i know on the tour you kind of like to end with it just so that but most of, my tour, most of my tastings are at a single sit- sitting, right? Yep. usually in someone's house or mm-hmm. private private function. And uh, so you just kind ease of your, ease your way into it. Um,
0: what wheat do you typically use at the beginning of your tastings?
2: I, I've tried to vary it up. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely, will use some lemon whiskey, but I'll use some makers, I'll use Larceny. Um, I'll use Weller Special Reserve, uh, not as hard to get these days. Uh, you know, you'll find them at a lot of wine or yeah. wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of go from there and then uh, a small batch uh, Elijah Craig or uh,
0: um, uh, Four Roses though, is a good one. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, we actually uh, last Thursday we went over to our friend Marty and Christina's and we did a blind tasting of six different weeded bourbons. Um, Danielle had to pour all these. Pours a yep. very painstaking process. Yep. I think she's still a little bit miffed about it. Maybe
1: it was just more pours than I anticipated.
0: Yeah, we we've thought of better ways to do it since then. But we had um, on the list we had Wilderness Trail, which is the brand new weeded bourbon out of Danville, uh, a Weller Antique Store pick from Silver Dollar, a Weller Twelve. Not a I don't know if they even do store picks, but just a normal Weller Twelve, um, Rebel Yell Ten. One of the new Willets, which allegedly is weeded, according to some random dude on Facebook. So I, I don't have any reason not to trust him. I know they <laughs> did put one out. Yeah. Yes. So I, it was a liquor barn store pick that's, that's weeded, and then a Maker's 46. Okay. And there were 10 people, I think, that ranked them all from one to six and tried to guess which each one was. Guess which one was. Makers forty six. I got second. Second, okay. Uh, One hundred and seven. No, I actually got third or fourth. the The Rebel Yell ten really took yeah. down the whole thing. Really Nobody ranked it less than I think third, hmm. and there was a lot of firsts and seconds. Yeah. Which that's a, a heaven hill. Yeah. I think sourced and. Is I, that, go ahead. Uh,
2: who owns that? It's a. Let's go now.
0: Yeah, let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that they're maybe have some of their own distilled in the the pipeline. But from what I understand, they're sourcing all their weeded stuff at least from Heaven Hill, probably all their stuff. Well, to bring it back full circle. The Rebel Yell was actually started by my wife's grandfather
2: on, on her dad's side, Mayor Farnsley. You know? Wow! So, yeah, it's just, we are sitting here. That's uh, an urban and royal. Team unfortunately, both sides it. of the family got out got out of the bourbon industry before I came on the scene. So <laughs> right? otherwise, I wouldn't be teaching; I'd be sitting in some executive <laughs> office right exactly. now. No, nah, I love what I do. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's cool, and I think that's a great way to do a tasting. Is is all weight, all weeded. Yeah. You know, or all and bond, or uh, all barrel yeah. finished.
1: I love the blind tastings, too, because, you know, for me, it helps me pick out bourbons that I really like that maybe I wouldn't otherwise think yeah. I would. You know, which the Makers 46 got second. We all kind of joked about it. Our friend Marty was like, Makers is going to do well. It always does well in these blind tastings, and sure enough, it did. And we were all surprised. I can't believe it. You know, like, bug well or all, all these things, but...
0: Yeah, it was it was an interesting experiment for it sure, was. and we're gonna continue to do those with different themes. But I, I agree, I think that the theme is the way to go. Yeah. So this has definitely been, I think, our for a bourbon themed podcast, our most most educational, bourbon, uh, most educational, but our most bourbon centric. We didn't talk about uh, poop flavored chocolate or anything of that nature.
1: Thank God.
0: But uh, yeah, Matt, thanks for coming. Is there anything that you want to? Say to the our listeners? No, I just I,
2: I think that uh, you know you guys definitely have a great thing going with the Sour Mash tours. Uh, the podcasts are fun, and I apologize for not bringing a bunch of laughs this time. No. When no. I listen to this your podcast, I get good chuckle. But um, <laughs> on, on, on just a few times I've been able to help uh, curate some tours, I know that guests are highly pleased, <laughs> not just with the tastings, but with the information given about the cool neighborhoods around Louisville. Yeah, And I just think that's something different. That it's, 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 a, it's a niche market that you guys... Jumped on early, and uh, I just I wish you guys the best success with it, and uh, you know I hope the the bourbon industry is going to keep
0: growing, and people are going to keep looking for ways to be innovative, and you guys are right there, so it's been it's been great, I love it. Thank you, and yeah. uh, definitely check out Matt's articles on Bourbon and Banter. Follow him on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram
2: at uh, Brownwater Guy, and uh, you know. Try some of that Wyoming whiskey if you're if you're not familiar with it. I think it's yeah, a good it's stuff. Yeah, very good. And
0: all of Matt's articles are great, but especially his most recent article that mm. just went up today. <laughs> very smooth. Tuesday, hot off the press. Hot, hot, hot off the press. press. Um, check it out about Sour Mash Tours, which was a, a great honor to see our name in print there. Or not print, but digital text.
1: You can call it print.
0: Oh, we'll see. I can print it out at work. Maybe. There it is. There you go. Yeah. Um, follow us, Sour Mash Tours, at Sour Mash Tours on Facebook. Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter. Um, book Mesh a tour. Tours.com. Go to sourmashtours.com. Book an experience with us. And tell a friend. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. But I think that we're going to sign off. So cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 Thank you.